starters. Um, there was a signal issue. Oh, okay. Yes, the apartment building I live in, the internet is really crazy. Is was that you? Was it you or was it me? It was me. Well, just in case, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hey. Yeah, I'll hear her. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on the show. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Um, usually when I start with my guests, I usually ask them, like, how did they start? Like, with their languages. Some people say, like, at five, because, you know, they lived in Europe. And given the fact we're both Americans, usually it starts, like, you know, maybe elementary, maybe junior high, maybe high school. When when was that period for you that you knew you kind of liked languages? You might have want to dabble in languages, create them? Well, uh, well, actually, I was, uh, I mean, I was raised bilingually for a bit uh, because my, my family is from Mexico. Um, but uh, uh, when my mother married my stepfather, he kind of... Um, he kind of closed us off from my mother's family entirely and, and ultimately moved us to Fresno for a bit. Um, and so that was where I stopped uh, learning and also just having regular interaction with Spanish, uh, which was at a very crucial stage in terms of uh, language learning. So when, uh, when, my, when my mother divorced him and we came back and were kind of reintegrated into the family, um, I pretty much had lost whatever ability I had and whatever familiarity I had with Spanish. Uh, as a result, I kind of rebelled against it for, you know, no good reason. Um, and when I, when I went to high school, I took Spanish, but I took Spanish because it was the easiest language for me to take. Um, and so I just, you know, was I didn't have any interest in language whatsoever. Uh, it changed very suddenly when I was in, uh, when I was a junior in high school, um, and I just woke up one morning and decided that I wanted to learn every single language on the planet, really just as simple as that. Oh, wow. And so um, I started right away. I started studying whatever language that we book we had at home. I started studying uh, French and Latin on my own. And then in my senior year, in addition to AP Spanish, I took German one, which was the only other language class at my high school that I could fit in. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also started just, um, my, my German teacher also happened to teach Spanish, um, and was fluent in Arabic. So I started studying a little bit of Arabic. Uh, and then when I got to, uh, college, um, at UC Berkeley, they had so many language offerings. So I started taking Arabic. I took Russian, uh, I took French formally, finally. Um, I took Middle Egyptian. And I had the opportunity to take a course in Esperanto, a uh, created language um, that was invented in 1887. Uh, it, was it was a student-taught class taught by two native speakers. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of anybody creating a language, you know, on purpose. Right. Um, so then when I, I started studying linguistics, uh, the next semester, 
I kind of put all this together and thought, well, what if I created my own language uh, that had all the features in it I like? Um, and instead of doing it for international communication, I did it just for fun, just for me. And so uh, that was uh, that was 2000. And I started uh, doing that then. And I kept up with it really ever since. And it's been almost 20 years now. Wow. Now that's amazing. Like, uh, the bug hit me when I was a kid, but I wasn't exposed to, like, French or Russian. I wasn't allowed to take, like, any, like, real formal language because of the fact that I was visually impaired and I couldn't see the blackboard. Right. And so... So I had like a week of Spanish. I learned like my numbers through like Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until college I took Spanish. And I really didn't want Spanish. I wanted Russian, Italian, French. And it wasn't <laughs> offered at my community college here in Cleveland. So I took Spanish, was good at it. Uh, they wanted me to go to Mexico and Cuba. And well, of course, I didn't have a passport and I didn't have any money. So that was out of the question. And uh, for me... I really didn't get into language community until about four years ago when I started teaching myself Russian independently. Well, cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I did a whole year of nothing speaking because I'm an auditory learner, I learned by ear. And um, I did nothing but speaking, and then I did a year of listening. 18 hours a day, like, for a whole year, just in the wow. background. And um, now I'm, like, helping people on Facebook with their their languages and people are like, how can you remember? How can you just learn like languages, like multiple languages at the same time? I was like, well, it's really not that different, difficult. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning Egyptian Arabic right now and Japanese, um, along with Cantonese, Turkish, Thai. Um, yeah, that's cool. At the moment in some Finnish. So I said, you know, it's not really that difficult. I mean, once you learn one language, you kind of, can piece together the rest of them, especially if it's Latin based. So, uh, yeah, I no, I don't have a degree in um, linguistics, but like, watch reading like Dr. Crash's stuff and other people I know. Um. You have you can, to say what? Yeah. What was oh. the genesis? What was like? How did you get started? Like, um, like getting hired, you know, for like paid gigs to make, you know, languages for TV shows. Because I'm sitting here watching The Hundred right now, and I'm just like completely like blown away. I'm like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> um. So the the very first you know language that I created was uh, Jothraki for Game of Thrones, and in that case, um, you know it was it was happenstance, a number of things that converged that uh, allowed for uh, the Language Creation Society to put on a competition that was announced mm-hmm. to language creators all over the world, and so we had a chance to compete for it, uh, and you know with the chance to compete I was going to put everything I had into it so I did and I managed to win the competition and so that was how I worked on the show Um, after that it was purely the success of Game of Thrones that led to all my other work Um, 
I mean, I, if, if Game of Thrones hadn't gone anywhere for it had, or if it hadn't been popular, I'm sure I wouldn't have ever worked on a show like The 100 or anything like that. Uh, it, it, it had to be, you know, it had to be both those factors. You know, one, it, it needed to be a thing where, you know, language creators could actually show their worth and show right. what they had learned and demonstrate it. Um, you know, versus because otherwise I'm sure they just would have, you know, hired anybody that they happened that happened to be on hand that claimed to know a little bit about linguistics or something. Right. Um, so uh, there was that. But then the second part of it was really the, you know, just the runaway success of Game of Thrones. Um, everybody, you know, once once that first season hit, um, everybody in show business wanted to try to emulate it in some way. Uh, or to, you know, kind of get some element of Game of Thrones into their show so that it could be as successful. Uh, and so that that happened to everybody that worked on the show. You know, actors, uh, producers, all the crew, um, and me, the language creator, um, since it was kind of a, a visible part of the show. Right. I mean, because I, I have all eight seasons digitally, and I... I'll sit back and just rewatch it. Like, I don't care how many times. And Mm -hmm. I'm just blown away. I'm like, I want to learn High Valerian. Like, someone actually (laughs) asked me what what fictional language that I want to learn. It was between Elfish from Lord of the Rings and High Valerian. And everybody's like, well, why don't you you do do Duolingo? I'm like, no. (laughs) Well, it's got audio now. I might relook it up. I tried it for Russian. I wasn't happy, so I stopped using it. Yeah, well, you know, I've I have no idea what the experience is like for for someone who's visually impaired. Um, but uh, but the, I since you know I created the the High Valerian Duolingo course, I can I can tell you for certain that there is audio now, and all the audio is recorded by me. <laughs> my left eye I okay. just yeah I just can't um reprint or dry so uh, okay so like I'm all auditory like people want to know how do you take notes now it's like I used to write because I learned print before I learned braille mm. and uh, my mom had made sure I had large print books and big jumbo crayons and the big jumbo coloring books and everything was big and it still has to be to some extent. So um, I don't do a lot of physical reading. I'm not allowed to medically. Um, mm. But I, I do a lot of listening. So I'm able to like visualize the words in my head, even though I've never like written them down. I can I type with a keyboard and a, a display that um, puts the words from the screen into Braille for me in whatever language. I have it in, so as long as it's written in that language um, and iOS can support it, because I use a Mac, um, it, uh, I can read it in that, that Braille code, so I'll be literate in that regard. Um, so that's pretty much how I do it. I just learn by ear. A lot of um, 
immersion. I do a lot yeah. of listening. Loads. Do you, uh, so have you learned the the Braille codes for things like Cyrillic and everything? Um. Yeah. Well, for for Russian, it's the Russian alphabet, so yeah, it's not really that difficult. Um, it's just the alphabet because it's only like grade one, so they spell everything out because it's phonetic. Mm. So I do know how to read in Russian. Um, Russian Braille, I can read in Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, um, French, Italian, German, Dutch. Yeah. Um, I passively, I understand most of the European languages. Um, once I start learning a particular language, it's not that difficult for me to pick up like a relatable language. I don't get them confused either. Like it took me some time to separate the languages in my head. So when I'm thinking, like if I learn a little bit of like Dorothy or, or High Valyrian, I train my brain to think only in that language. I don't even let English come into my brain when I'm speaking. I'm just cool. focusing on that language and that language alone. And everyone's like, how the hell do you do it? I'm like, well, it takes a lot of concentration. Trust me. It took time. This was not easy to develop in my brain, but I, you know, I, I go and do loads of, of information. Anything I do in my English life, I kind of transfer that over to whatever language I'm learning. So if I want to learn about politic vocabulary or, you know, entertainment vocabulary because I studied film and theater in college so I have a degree in theater studies and filmmaking so I'm a certified director screenwriter producer as well um and I have my TEFL certification to teach English as a foreign language to Mm -hmm. business people and young learners so I've worked with like 18 to 65 year olds from all over the world in classroom setting um helping them with their pronunciation their speaking and their listening comprehension because I, I was like, they can learn how to read on their own. The most yeah. important parts they need is to be able to pronounce the words and understand what the person is saying. And I always advise people never to listen to anything at slow speed. Listen to it at normal pace because people aren't going to slow their speech down for you when they when they talk. You can't just look up words while you're having a conversation. You just got to mm-hmm. let it go and just trust the information that you have in your brain and just you know, they don't care that you make a mistake. They just care mm-hmm. that you're um, you're uh, trying to learn their language. I mean, I learned basic Cantonese, like A1 Cantonese with the Mango app for like six weeks. And at the end of that, those 10 chapters, I picked up the phone because I was hungry. I didn't feel like cooking. So I just picked up the phone and I ordered me some uh, food in Cantonese. Gave my address and telephone number and everything in Cantonese. And that was a goal of mine to right. do. So I did that. And the person spoke Mandarin and they understood what I, and they were like, keep going. And then I actually learned the vocabulary on the way to a Thai restaurant two months ago um, to um, order food. Cause that was a goal of mine to order food in Thai and come to find out the chick that I was talking to lived in the same part of California that I did. Cause I lived in Hollywood for a while. And, um, she lives like probably about 30 minutes away from where I live at now. And I'm like, what a coincidence. She was like, your tie <laughs> is not bad. I'm like, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I use like Michelle Thomas, um, innovative language. Um, um, I use a bunch of free resources, mango, 
um, transparent language has a lot of audio, YouTube, um, SBS radio, anything that I can get my hands on. The library is my friend. Um, I really don't pay a lot of money to do, to learn anything because it's like, I know what I want to say and I know how I want to say it, you know? So yeah, I don't use grammar books. I use everything in context. Harry Potter and Game of Thrones are my friends. So I'll use those books. And uh, if I can get Game of Thrones in like Italian or something, I will eventually. But oh, I read, cool. I read Il Pizzerino, um in Italian, The Godfather, in Italian, um, digital, the, the e-books. And I have voiceover and I download all the languages that I'm speaking, I'm learning at the moment. And I'll put voiceover into that language and have it read the book to me in that language. And so I'm able to get as much feedback as I can. Like I'm reading Les Miserables in French right now. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much how my process works. I, I do the speaking from day one as well in order to reinforce what I'm listening to. So, yeah, I can do about three hours worth of study time at a time before my brain starts to fry. So <laughs> that's pretty much how I do it. And I, I'm, I have a group right now on Facebook where I'm helping a lot of blind and visually impaired people and sighted people with their their um, language learning using this method and a lot of free resources. Cause I'm like, if you don't got the money, why waste it? You know, um, mm-hmm. there, there's so many ways you can learn. And a lot of them do learn this way. So it's like, it's, it's kind of amazing that, you know, I'm willing to embrace other ways to learn things. Like I didn't know how to create chat groups until today. And like WhatsApp, because they're about to take the chat feature off of instant messenger. And I have like a series of chat groups where people can come and practice certain languages. So I got like an Asian language group where it's all Asian languages. There's no English involved. A European group where all the languages minus the romance languages are involved. They can speak those in that group. And then I have a romance language group where all the romance languages. And then I have a Middle Eastern, African, in um, Indian language group, I just call it mid Afro Lang because you know you only got 25 characters for, right. for WhatsApp, and they can speak all those languages going from Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, Africa, Middle East, and so they can speak all those languages. But the caveat is you cannot speak English. You have to be able to speak the the language that you're you're wanting right. to practice because otherwise you're, you're just going to fall back on English and that's not going to help you. And a lot of people like it. And so like, I, I'm like 22 away from a hundred people and I've only been operating for a month. So <laughs> I, I, I get joy out of helping people. I was like, I'm not getting paid for this yet, but Hey, you know, I love running my podcast show and interviewing people like you guys. And I was jumping up and down when you said yes. And I, I told all my polyglot friends and they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait. I, I was like, this is going to be so freaking kick-ass awesome. And because um, I'm also following George R.R. R. Martin as well. And I'm trying to get him to come on the show because I want to <laughs> know what, what he was thinking when he, you know, wanted to put High Valerian and Dorothy into, into Game of Thrones. And I, I know that there are other languages on top of those languages, other dialects of that, 
you know, in the books and, and whatnot. I haven't read the books in English yet. I've read them in French. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like, I just, I, w- I would love to get him because it's like, oh, my God. Like, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> like, people would be like, oh, my God, you, you got him? I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> like, I don't know how, how I could, you know, uh, I've been uh, following him on Facebook. So, I've been pitching that to him and. I would love to interview Dave and Dan uh, mm-hmm. for um, the the showrunners. Yeah, yeah, maybe someday that'd be cool. It's the idea to to try to put this this on to George, and he, you know, went with it. Thank God, because it was like I didn't read the books in English; I followed the show, and I was just yeah. so impressed. By how it was just from a story standpoint, you know, and the characters and how the women, there was a lot of strong women in the show, but yet they were also treated like property at the same time. I mean, if you actually read the book, I think it's like one part of Dance with Dragons where, where, um, um, what's his face? Um... I can't remember that guy's name. He was the one that got um, kidnapped by Ramsey and brainwashed and treated like crap. And uh, Theon. He died. Theon, yeah. Um, I his sister in the one. I remember the scene where where uh, what's his face had cut her arm off and it fell into the water. And I'm I'm imagining I'm imagining this in my head like. Wow, I could just imagine what he's going to come up with with Winds of Winter and the last book that he's supposed to do. And I just feel for him right now because I know that has to be hell, knowing the whole world wants to know when is it coming. <laughs> because the show's over. Yeah. So, now I have a question: Are you going to be a part of the new, the new show that's supposed to be coming next year? I think. Well. um, I can't. Uh, I can't actually talk about anything that I'm, you know, under an NDA to, to right. you know, not discuss. I'd right. be happy to involve with with anything in the Game of Thrones universe moving forward. Yeah, I would. I mean, honestly, I was like, wow. I I wonder, <laughs> and because um, a lot of my friends said, oh my god, like, it, it, I know people where they're like. Yeah, I learned a little bit of Highlander learning, and actually, it's amazing how popular that language has become. Because I forgot what the name of the company is, but you can go online and you can test yourself to see how well you know that language. Like for one hundred and sixty dollars, you can actually take a test and get huh. like a language uh, proficiency grade on how well you know Highlander. I mean, Dorothy. I'm like. Are you wow. serious? Like, yeah, um, it's it's the L- language international testing. It's out of New York, but they do the version of the um, the CEFLR scale, our version, our American version. Uh-huh. So it'd be like A1, A2, B1, B2, which would be like 10, 10, 10, 20, 20, 10, 20, 20. Um, here in the states but i 
when I saw, because I was looking at all the languages, because I was thinking about paying the money to find out how much it would cost me to to see what my um, score would be for speaking Russian at the time. Yeah. And I said, oh, that'd be cool, you know, because I, I got my TEFL, but I've never done one for any of the languages I'm currently studying. I didn't know if I really would need it, you know. I'm just doing it because I enjoy it. So I said, okay, let me find out how much this is. And I look, and I'm like, wait a minute. Do they have one of the Game of Thrones languages on here? I was like, man, that must, that, you know that's a big deal if they, they have that language. Yeah, it's pretty know. wild. I, I never even heard about it. Nobody contacted me about it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, you can get tested to know that? Well, she was like, you know, I mean, but you know, there are people out there and I mean, it wasn't until recently when I went to an online um, polyglot um, um, event that was four days long online, and I just, I didn't realize how much language people there were in the U.S. alone that love learning languages. I think like half of the people that enrolled for the conference, it was like, half of them came from here and I was actually expecting the numbers to be quite smaller than 250. Yeah. I was surprised and I'm still surprised, you know, and I was like, wow. Yeah. I guess because, you know, when you have hobbies, especially something like this, you would not automatically assume that people would be wanting to, um, learn languages. I mean, they'd rather play basketball or get in the NFL or somewhere or be an actor or a musician or a director or something. The idea of someone wanting to learn languages as a hobby, it was like you kind of felt like you were the only one in the needle in the haystack and come to mm-hmm. find out there was like a whole bunch of other people oh, that yeah. like the same thing that you do. And it's like, oh, wow. I mean, and... Um, I don't know how active you are on Facebook or other social media platforms, but I mean, on Facebook, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what I was going to ask you, um, it, as far as like the, because I, I have friends that are, um, they have low vision and no vision at all. So I actually found, I think Living Language has high Valerian. And they have, uh, they have Dothraki. I, oh. I made, yeah, I did a book for, for them, for okay. Living Language on Dothraki. And it, it comes with, uh, it comes with an audio CD that has, okay. um, I think it's got audio for, for the whole book, and then it has a couple of dialogues. Oh, okay, because I was, I had looked, I was on Audible, well, I like to call their number, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, because I can search for stuff, but it's like, okay, this is something I really want to know if they have. And they were like, oh, we have it, but we don't have it right now. I'm like, that's <laughs> lovely. You know, because I have a little Audible um, subscription where I get like one book a, a um, month for like 15 bucks. And I'm like, oh, well, I could get this. Oh, I want to see what this sounds like. 
you know, because I mean, I found High Valerian. Someone actually broke it down on like right on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like they literally like was teaching you how to do the vowel sounds and everything on YouTube. I'm like, this is like cool. <laughs> and I did find it in, in in Duolingo. I will have to go back on Duolingo, even though I I am not the biggest proponent of Duolingo. I, I if you're going to use that. It's great, but it's not going to teach you a language. You still need stuff to supplement with it, like Aussie Mail or Teach Yourself or something, or Colloquial Languages Book or something. Um, because people actually think you could just learn it just like that. And I'm like, no, you got to still be able to speak. And, right. you know, and, and to me, it's just like, there's only so much repetitive stuff I want to do. And if it's SRS, I will... I will deal with that a lot easier than to sit up there and be like, okay, let me click this and let me click that. Uh, not so much. But I know a lot of my students, they love Duolingo. And I also tell them there are other things than Duolingo. Let me just tell you right now. And they're like, oh, what else is there? I'm like, oh, wow. You really didn't know that there was other things out there. I mean, because there's Clothesmaster, Quizlet, Anki, Drops, Memorize. Even though I'm not happy that they made a separate app for like the, the like people who created uh, material language material they have mm-hmm. decks now for that so I'm like are you going to update this or is this just going to be it and like people have dropped off a little bit because they didn't like as far as revamping the memorize platform and I'm like I still like it I mean, I have to go on the actual physical website and look for, like, certain languages because they don't have all the ones I want. But, um, like, in the menus, they just have the basics, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like, you got to go, and then you have to have it pushed over to your, your app if you have the app downloaded. So that's a little bit of work. But aside from that, you know, I still like it. I still use the free version. But it's it's worth it. I mean, I, I got through, like, seven seven courses of Russian because of it. it it really isn't that bad but um yeah i i'm just wondering what do you have any plans for like the future like in regards to you know i mean you know i'm since game of thrones i've worked on many 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 television shows and movies and that's what i'm doing at the moment um yeah, I'm, we're, I'm working on on about eight different shows and movies at the moment. Wow. Um, so you know, as long as as long as I can get employment, uh, you know, creating languages, then I'll do that. Um, and when I can't, I'll do something else. Now I'm just curious if you had any advice to give, like at least seven tips. That's my lucky number. Seven tips to give somebody who wanted to actually go into this field of, like, creating languages. I mean, because I've seen people, I want to do translation, I want to do interpreting, you know, and, and then they'll get language degrees and they have no idea what they can do with it. I'm like, well, you could apply it to business, engineering, medicine, court, court work, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different things. It just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, but it can't just be about the language. It has, it has to have some other component to it. Like, you know, if they have right. stuff, documentation, you might need to, 
yeah, it just depends on the company and who you're working for. So uh, I'm just curious, do you have like seven good tips to give my listeners and students that might consider this? Uh, well, of course, tip number one is be a language creator. So, I mean, the the main reason that I was able to kind of like, you know, uh, compete so successfully um, in uh, in the competition was because I had 10 years of experience as a language creator. Um, you know, I, I devoted a lot of time to that. I mean, by the time that the Game of Thrones job came along. I mean, I was I was already a veteran in the language creation community, so that certainly uh, is, I think, a prerequisite. So you do that first before anything else, um, and then after that, I mean, uh, what I I've tried to set up, and this is what I've done um, this past year. I've tried to set up uh, not really apprenticeships, more like assistantships, where I've mm-hmm. hired assistants um, to create languages with me on so far three different television shows. So I've hired three different assistants on three different shows. Um, and I have a section of my website that's set up for people that want to send me portfolios to review. Um, and basically, I maintain a list of of everybody who sends me work mm-hmm. um, and when I have the opportunity to hire another assistant I, I go to my list but um, yeah the the fact of the matter remains like what you need to show me is you need to show me a the grammar of a completed uh, created language um, and then beyond that it needs to it needs to be sophisticated enough in the specific areas that I'm looking for that I think, you know, the, that person would be worth my time bringing on as an assistant as opposed to just be, you know, extra work as I, as I try to train them up. Um, because there is, uh, the deadlines are fast and furious, especially working on television. Um, Often I'm brought on to a project far later than I should be. Um, and, um, you know, it's the type of thing where it's like, oh, I would have appreciated working on this several months ago wow. instead of uh, being brought on, you know, a week before shooting. Um, wow. And so, like, you know, if I have to add on to that, teaching them the very basics of language creation, that it's just there's really no point to it. Um, but you know, the, the nice thing is that, um, you know, it's not, it's not like like a free internship. I don't believe in that. This is paid work. So right now that's kind of the, that's kind of the best way in. Um, unfortunately we're, we're at a point where language creation has gotten more visibility, uh, than it ever has in the past. Um, and it's marketable at least in Hollywood, but, um, the thing is, Hollywood seems to know how to find me, but they don't know how to find other language creators. Um, and so that's been that's been difficult. Um, I've, I've been working on it. Um, and I've been working on getting other people's names out there. Um, and I've actually gotten jobs directly for other people, other language creators I know. But, uh, you know, 
even so it's it's still it's 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 a buyer's market essentially for right. producers um and still very 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 difficult um for anybody trying to get work um you know little by little it's getting better and i hope to see it get better in the future i i think it's cool though that you know people are starting to get um hooked to language creation and just language in general because i mean mm-hmm. i think it's been ignored for so long i mean unless yeah. you put on some subtitles which i mean thank god for uh, the advent of, of text-to-speech software um being added to everything now i mean it's technology has become so much accessible for people that are disabled and have print disabilities that you know i could just sit here and listen to something in like russian and have french subtitles on you know and and have like two languages going on at the same time and for me that that that's kind of a cool thing because a couple years ago we didn't have the opportunity to like have subtitles read to us you know we were still in i would say the dark ages and you know we have so many choices as to what devices you want to um, use whether right. it's Windows, Mac, Chromebook, whatever, and they all have text-to-speech software built in, and they're also putting Braille because they understand that there's a lot more people that are becoming blind, whether it's totally blind or, or legally blind, where they have limited vision, and then you have other people that have other disabilities, so they have to accommodate everybody. And Because right. I'm, I'm an Apple person. I used to be yeah, Windows. Yeah, me too, I'm by Apple. the way. Yeah, and I I love it. So, um, yeah, like I'm talking to you on my 6S, believe it or not. I have not upgraded yet. I want (laughs) to play with the 10 first before I decide to pay money to get another phone. I haven't gotten a phone in four years, actually. So, you know, I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want to get another phone right now. My yeah. phone is working just fine. If I only had to replace a battery and a, and a um, SIM card, and that's not bad, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, me personally, like, I love my Apple products, and I love the fact that, you know, everything is accessible, and I can do things independently without sighted assistance, and it's it's a great thing. I mean, now, yes, I do need sighted assistance for things like filling out paperwork. Or reading mm-hmm. like print material if it's not on the internet and I, my screen reader can't read it to me. Yeah, that I probably need help with. Aside from that, before I talked to you, I had finished cooking my dinner because nice. it's like 90 degrees here in Akron. So, <laughs> and and I'm sitting here like, okay, let me cook my dinner before I talk to David. <laughs> so yeah, and um, I was like. My friend was like, how do you do it? I, You cook such good meals. And I'm like, well, it's not hard. It's timing. I'm not burning the kitchen up, let alone the building, you know? Yeah. Um, so I said, you know, I enjoy cooking. And that's a... From that, from that particular, from that, 
particular um, recipe. And I said, not just Italian, but any language that you're learning, you know, do that because that way you're learning vocabulary, you're practicing your reading, your measurements. You can even Mm -hmm. go and put up a Facebook Live and use the vocabulary that you learned, start speaking and utilizing it in sentences and, and walk people through in Italian what you are making. And this way they can see the progress that you're making in your language learning. Right. So I try to, I try to make it as creative as possible because I'm such an artist. I, I can't see it just from a normal academic perspective. I'm like, look, show me a video of what it is you're doing and explain it to me in the language. You know, I don't care that you mess it up. You're, you're speaking and that's what's important. You know, we right. need to get you speaking and thinking in the language and, Take your time. If you do 10 words a day, 50 words a week, 200 words, by the time three months come, you would have finished A1. Okay, by the time nine months come, you'll be at B1. By the time a year comes, you'll be at B2, maybe 16 months. Fine. Guess what? 10 words, 15 words a day, that's nothing. Yeah. You know, do it in context. Read. Find stuff you like. You know, enjoy it. Obviously, because most people... The reason why they're successful at what they do is because they like it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, if you just did something just because you didn't enjoy it and it was only for a paycheck, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Of course, I know a lot of people that are. And it's it's unfortunate. And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. I can't right. do that. I got to do what makes me happy. And um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And, well, of course, yeah. Thank you and, for having me. And, and telling about your story. Because, like, I'm still, my mind is just blown. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> completely. Um, it, because I'm like, oh, I finally got a celebrity on. I mean, because I, I did interview Stephen Crashing, by the way. Um, you did? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll email you my, um, my podcast um, link so you can subscribe to it. Um, yeah, I interviewed him. I interviewed like Richard Simcott and I did interview Steve Kaufman from Link, but the problem was is the freaking daggone interview didn't record and we did it on Zoom and I hate Zoom. Mm. It, it is accessible. Blind people do use it, but it's just I'm not accessible with it. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay. But I got a lot out of the conversation. It took me a year to get that interview. I was just not, yeah. So I've been interviewing people like from all over the place, like all the, you know, popular polyglots on the internet. Um, I want to try to get Professor Aguilas. Um, that guy is amazing. Like he went to Finland and learned Finnish in like three months or something but he lived it he like literally lived it like he went to school with a bunch of kids and was playing games with them and learning how to speak orally without reading nothing he didn't have anything he just learned from the people I mean they took him out into the forest and was having him like learn the different tree bark and the different plants that you can eat and what was good and what wasn't and in finish he got to such a high level it was unreal i'm like like i literally learned like two words 
like as soon as I saw the video that he did on YouTube, I went on Mango and downloaded the finish and learned like two words like that night and woke up and can't remember the two words I had remembered. And then I just started learning Finnish because I was just like, you know, people say this language is difficult and I, I have a problem with that too. I don't think anything's difficult as long as you try. Right. But, but a lot of people that come from monolingual countries, that's the first thing they say because English was difficult. Well, you didn't have access to people. You have a, a treasure troll of English resources all over the place. It's just that you don't have anyone to speak to. I, I spoke to myself a lot. And then I went and got a nice vocabulary. And then I started speaking with people like maybe about four months after I started. You know, just be in, you know, that was Russian. So, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, each one teach one. We can all learn from each other. And it's, yeah, I, I got to interview I, I want to interview him. I'm this close to getting um, Moses McCormick to come on. That guy's amazing. Oh my god, he knows so many languages. It makes my head spin. Hmm. Like I mean, but he learns them to pretty nice levels, like upper intermediate. And I mean, he'll do like four languages in a week. I mean, I can do that, but I got a problem. I like to dabble too much, and once <laughs> I start with something, then. I'm like, ooh, it's like having, like, my favorite chocolate. And then you want another piece because it's there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, <laughs> with languages, it's like, oh, I want to learn Greek. So I learned Greek for, like, two weeks. Then I was like, why am I learning this? Oh, because I said I wanted to, but I really didn't have the motivation. It just was there. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was my thing. Like, I just... I tell people if I try it and I don't like it it wasn't because of people or anything like that it was just I wasn't feeling it I was feeling it right then and there at that moment but I wasn't feeling it for the long term I just wanted a taste that was it and so if a taste means I can say what's up and finish and I can say a couple other things and finish then I'm fine if that means I want a basic conversation and finish then I'll pick it back up but if I just want to say a couple things in Greek or a couple things in this, I'm not worried about it. Like, you know, I'm exploring and seeing what what meshes with me. So right now I'm on languages of the East, like Turkish and Cantonese and Thai and Japanese at the moment. I did try a little bit of Korean. And mm-hmm. um, I went into a Korean shop and tried to speak a little bit of Korean and like no, yes, and awesome, which is Tabat, <laughs> came out, and then I'm American came out, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> and it was like after three weeks of like intensive can- um, um, Korean studying, I'm like, but once he started speaking, it, it started clicking in my head, but I couldn't bring it from my head out. So mm. I was like, well, maybe this isn't the one. But now I realize Japanese is. So yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm really excited. Next year is in Japan, and I was like, oh, when they start speaking Japanese, I'll know what they're saying. <laughs> Even though I can't go to Japan, but um, yes, I will send you a, the link to my show. Cool. And, yeah, I have like 103 episodes. 
Um, I I have everybody on there, like Richard Simcoe, Alice Early, Ollie Richards. Um, I got to re- interview Luca Lampriello. But, yeah, I have a lot of people on there. And then I have segments that I do. Um, like I just did one on Netflix, learning how to learn languages with Netflix, the visually impaired way of using audio and subtitles and all of that. And, and I break down what screen readers people use and all this type of stuff. And a lot of people are like, you're doing something that no one else is doing. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, people, all people learn languages. They just learn them differently. And I said, if you're legally blind and you're used to audio or audio on large print, and then you, you, you introduce Braille a little bit, that's one thing, or you had no sight since birth, then you're going to just do audio and Braille if it's available to, mm-hmm. for you to be taught. And because of the education and funding and all that, it costs money for people to learn it. And if you live in a small town where you have a TVI, teacher of visual impaired, you, you might get like once a week or twice a week instruction by them, and that's it when they need five days a week. And so right. I learned it back in the eighties when I was a kid and I'm 42. So that, that tells you something right there. Like you have some vision. They want you to use it until it's gone. If you, if you have, if you are low vision like me and they still feel that way for some reason. And I was like, well, if you think somebody's going their vision, in retail and I was using a magnifying glass to read all the stuff and I wound up losing a lot of my vision my readable vision that way so I I pretty much just everything is audio mm-hmm. for me so you know I, I look at it like if I can give back in my own way by creating podcasts interviewing people about their experiences it's you know sharing my experiences um, with language learning and the pitfalls. I think the only thing that annoys me probably the most is that there's not enough accessible content out there. Like, there's a lot of print, but there's not a lot of audio. And if the print is there, it's not enough ebook or TXT format or rich text format. It's all PDF. And a lot of people can't access that because reading PDF, you have to kind of finagle it and use like Adobe Flash and nobody wants to go through all of that just to read a book or you have to open it up on Safari or Windows Explorer just to be able to read it and it's like who wants to go through all that nobody so we're trying to get people to to make even their language content in in formats like give like other formats other than PDF um you know rich text format for the Mac and then you know, TXT for Windows because people are using NVDA and they're using JAWS for Windows and Linux and System Access, which are screen readers for the Mac, uh, for the um, PC, Windows operating system. And then VoiceOver is integrated into the Mac and iOS lineup. And mm-hmm. Windows has a screen reader called Narrator, which they've been playing with for God knows how long. Right. And, um, so, you know, blind people are able to do everything. I mean, you got engineers, you got doctors, lawyers, teachers, you know, people working for NASA and, and 
sciences and a lot of it's because technology has become more and more advanced as far as tactile graphics and stuff being raised and with con with braille in conjunction because some people can't read large print so they have to use their ears and their fingers in order to be able to you know make it work right. so i mean like some of these people can put a computer together and take it apart with no problem and i'm like that's not me. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I pretty much said, I'm going to create a podcast show. And I did it last year. And I'm really enjoying the opportunity to interview people from all over the world about their language stories and, and give a voice to people that usually wouldn't have one. And the fact that people have been saying yes to my show and coming on it is like I have to pinch myself every time I get an interview. Um, because that, you know, that says, oh, well, I am doing a good job <laughs> mm -hmm. for the most part. So thank you so much. And my last question is this, where can people reach you if they want to follow you on social media? Sure. Um, the easiest place is on Twitter where I am Daedalus, D-E-D-A-L-V-S. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, I have a website that is um, the uh, it is called uh, languageinvention.com. Okay. So um, then, you know, from there, I'm pretty easy to reach. But yeah, I'm mainly oh. on Twitter. We'll see if, if something new comes out social media wise that, that kind of okay. captures cool. me. Otherwise, that's the main um... place I'm at. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, even though my Facebook followers are almost like 4,200 people. Mm. <laughs> and then um, my Instagram is like 172. I Instagram's okay, but I kind of get annoyed. If you don't post enough stuff on there, people stop following you like in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? Really? I know. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We well, will have likewise. to do this and we will have to do this in a couple of years when something big like you win an academy award or something. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the day, but hey, you uh, never know you might win an Emmy that would be nice i Game i would it would be nice to even just go to the uh yeah just go to the show or like to you've never been no, <laughs> oh wow. You know, I would think they would want language creators to be at the Emmys because if it wasn't for them, the actors wouldn't have anything to speak. Yeah. Well, you know, well, maybe one day. Muchas gracias, los capadres. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.